Well, this morning, uh, we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Choose Life. And uh, this morning's message, I really believe, is kind of one of those pivotal messages. As I was praying and studying, the Lord kind of quickened uh, kind of this message and these thoughts to my heart. And as I began to pray and think about what we're going to talk about this morning, the Lord uh, just kind of drove home a couple thoughts. He said, number one, uh, we're going to look today as we kind of begin this series. We're going to start out pretty heavy this morning. This is a pretty heavy topic we're going to talk about today. And we're going to dive into some really some powerful truths and here's what I feel like the heart of God is this morning. I feel like the heart of God for this message today is to clarify some foundational truths about who God is and about God's will for your life. To clarify some foundational truths about who God is and about God's will for your life. And here's how pivotal I think this truth that we're going to talk about today is. It's so pivotal, but number one, I believe your ability to accept and settle, as we talked about this morning, I don't know if you heard the confirmation from Emory and from Jennifer, but God's wanting us to believe the Word. Come on, somebody. God wants us to believe that His Word is true. And when you settle this Word, when you settle God's Word in your heart, here's a couple things that happens. Number one, when you settle God's Word in your heart, it, it determines and affects the quality of your life, how you're going to live your life is going to be dramatically affected by this foundational truth that we're going to talk about today. And not only is this foundational truth going to affect the quality of your life, but it's also going to affect the impact of your Christianity. The way that your life is going to impact other people for the glory of God is going to be very much determined by where you have settled in your heart on what we're going to talk about today. So this morning, if you got your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the app, however you're going to join us, uh, John chapter 3, we're going to start out with some very familiar scripture. And I'm going to just lay a little foundation stone this morning from the Word of God. And then we're going to dive into some truths and kind of look at what I really believe the Lord's wanting to say to us today. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Come on, somebody. He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John chapter 10, verse 9 through 11, Jesus is speaking. And he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pastor. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, to the believers there, and this is what he says in verse 21. He says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, and I put in parentheses there the word Adam because the man he's talking about is Adam. So death came into the world through a man named Adam. Why did Adam bring death? Because Adam sinned and rebelled against God. You kind of remember the story, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, the entrance of sin into the world. And so death came through a man by the name of Adam. And now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, and his name is Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. How many know he's coming back, somebody? 
He's coming back. How many are you glad he's coming back? And when he comes back, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, and there we'll meet the Lord in the air, which will be the beginning of the end. Some amazing things will happen at that time. Verse 24 says, and when he comes back, that after that the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler, every authority, and every power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. And the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. Now look at that first point. So life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. Life is the will of God, and death is the enemy of God. Isn't that what the Bible just said? The Bible says that the last enemy that Jesus will destroy is what? Death is not the will of God. Death is not the plan of God. Death is not the heart of God for you, for your family, or for anyone in the world. The heart of God is life. The heart of God is eternity. The scriptures we just read in John 3, John 10 gave us three revelations of life. The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus, they can have everlasting or eternal life. The Bible says that through Jesus we can have abundant life. And Paul in 1 Corinthians Corinthians said that through Jesus we can have resurrection life. Guess what? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that we might be saved. Come on, somebody. God's will is life. Life is the will of God. Death is the enemy of God. And death is never God's will, God's plan, or God's desire for your life. And this is a foundational truth. This is a foundational truth because if you don't come to the realization that life is the will of God and death is the enemy of God, according to Scripture, then here's what's going to happen. Every time you face death, and how many of you know we all face death? Every time you face death, if you haven't settled in your heart that life is the will of God and death is the enemy of God, then every time you face death, you will be tempted to blame God. You'll be tempted to blame God. You'll be tempted to come to a place of accusation against the Lord. As I was praying this morning, the Lord reminded me of just the thought. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, that he accuses us before God. But I also realized something this morning. Not only is he the accuser of the brethren, but he's the accuser of God. The devil accuses us to God, but he accuses God to us. If God really loved you, if God really cared about you, if God was really good, if God was really loving, if God was really caring, then your child wouldn't have died. Your spouse wouldn't have died. Your parent wouldn't have died. Your best friend wouldn't have died. And all of a sudden, you've got to come to a realization that there is a foundational truth in Scripture that God is life. God is not in heaven orchestrating death. God sent His Son from heaven to orchestrate redemption, salvation, and life for all who would believe in Him. And if you don't settle that in your heart, then what's going to happen is you're going to constantly struggle every time you're faced with death. Now let me just tell you this today. I, I, know, I know the realization is that death never comes easy. We're going to talk about that. Death always comes as an intruder. We're going to talk about that. But this is what I can say. I've recognized something, and, and hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest loss that I've seen in my life, never experienced it by the grace of God, but the greatest loss that I've ever seen in this world is the loss of a child. 
And I've had the opportunity of walking through the loss of a child with many different families now over 30 years of pastoral ministry. And I can tell you two things happen in the face of that kind of tragic death. The Bible says faith draws near to God. And the Bible says that out of an evil heart of unbelief, we draw away from God. We just heard this morning the importance of believing God. You can know the words, the song, and the dance. But until you believe the message. You can know the words, but until you believe the message, it doesn't really change who you are. We heard that testimony from Emily. We heard that testimony from Jennifer this morning that you've got to believe the Word of God. And here's what I've seen and here's what I've observed as an insightful observer that you can, in the face of death, draw near to God because you believe that He is good even when life isn't. That you believe that He is life even when you're facing the reality and the sting and the grief and the anger and the frustration and the confusion that death brings. Yes. And I've seen those who have drawn near, not because they understand it. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I meet with someone that's lost, specifically a child, I don't have answers. I don't have them. There's no answers for that. But I do have truth. And the truth is, God is life. And death is the enemy of God. Not the will of God. God didn't take your child, your spouse, your mother, your parent. God is not the author of death. He is the author and the giver of life. Years ago, early in the ministry, I was invited to go visit a lady who had lost her son. He was 20-something years old. He had died in a tragic car accident. And I went to meet with this lady, and, and as I went to meet with her, I realized something pretty quickly when I sat down in her living room. I, I realized that not only was she grieving the loss of her son, who was her world, but she was dying a slow death. But she wasn't dying a slow death because of the grief of her son. She was dying a slow death because of the bitterness in her heart toward God. Grief can be overcome. Sorrow can be worked through. But a bitterness and a resentment in your heart that causes you to draw away from God instead of draw near God isolates you and separates you and dooms you to a slow death. I've seen those in death draw near to God. I've seen those in death, death pull away from God. And the outcome of those situations are as night and day. Those who draw near hurt just as much as those who pull away. Those who draw near grieve just as deeply as those who pull away. Those who draw near shed just as many tears as those who pull away, but they heal and they get restored and they find out somehow in the midst and face of a horrible death that there's still a God of life 
who loves and cares about them. The sorrow and the grief and the pain for those who pull away from God in the face of death is real and it's tragic and it's horrible and there are no words to describe it. But you guys have heard me say this many times and I say it a lot because I see it a lot. The scheme of the enemy is to get you to blame God for your hurt. Because if I blame God for my hurt and my loss and the death of the person that I love, then I will not draw near to God. Because if he's the source of my pain, he will not be the remedy that I look for. And we wonder why there's addiction and we wonder why there's so much depression and anxiety and fear in our world. Because when you disconnect from God who is the source of life, the only thing left is death. The only thing left is a slow death that robs us of the potential and opportunity to know God who wants to heal our hurt. Be very honest with you. I'm going to be as transparent as I can be today because I, I don't understand why all our prayers aren't answered. I don't understand why some people get healed and other people don't get healed. I don't understand why these things don't always work out the way we want them to work out. I don't. I can preacherize them, sometimes make them sound really good. <laughs> but I don't understand them. But I know the truth. And years ago, I heard a gentleman make this statement. He says, do not allow what you don't understand to move you away from what you know to be true. Yes, come on. Do not allow what you don't understand to move you away from what you know to be true. God is life. God is love. And life is the will of God. And death is the enemy of God. And we know that to be true. Amen? So I want you to look with me in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18 is an interesting scripture. It's just a little, a little snapshot out of the book of Ezekiel. But Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophets. It's interesting when you read them because Ezekiel is prophesying to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel at this time have been carried away into Babylonian captivity. Their sin, their rebellion, I mean their outright disobedience to God had produced a life of despair and destruction. They'd been carried away by their enemies. Their wives had been raped. Their children had been killed. And they were captive in a foreign land. All because of the repercussions and consequences of their sin. How many know that our choices and decisions have consequences? And the children of Israel had been swept away into Babylonian captivity. And God, in the midst of their death and their destruction, was still bringing a message of redemption and salvation. He was still calling out to them. And when you read all the prophets, you find out over and over and over again, all the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the, the major prophets of old, they were crying out for the nation. They were warning them, beckoning them, crying out to them to turn, 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 turn back to God. Why? Because they were on a self-destructive path to death. Physical death, relational death, emotional death. They were dying in every way. And in Ezekiel 18, we get a little picture of the heart of God in the midst of all this rebellion and disobedience. Look what God says. He says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. 
So repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Look what he says. Why will you die? Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of who? I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. Look at that next point. Even when we deserve death, God desires life. The children of Israel had rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. They had done exactly the opposite of everything God had called them to do. And even in their judgment and even in the repercussions of their sin, they never turned their hearts back. And God kept crying out and God kept pleading with them, Why will you die, O house of Israel? I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. You know why? Because God's will is life, and death is the enemy of God. Not the will of God, not the purpose of God, not the plan of God. Death is the enemy of God, and God has no pleasure. In the book of Psalms, God even goes so far as to say, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. When wicked, evil, vile men die, God does not rejoice his heart grieves. Why? Because the enemy won. Death is the enemy of God. The will of God is life. Life abundant, life eternal, resurrection life that empowers us to live. Nowhere in Scripture, I believe, do we see the heart of God that even when we deserve death. How many of you know if we really got what we deserved? <laughs> we wouldn't get life. Amen. Oh, you're good, but you're not that good. Come on, somebody. Come on. If we really got what we deserved, we would not get life. We would get death. But God's desire is life. His heart is always our redemption, never our destruction. Luke 23, listen to this. What a beautiful picture of this portrait of the heart of God. The Bible says, Luke 23, verse 33 and 34, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, speaking of Jesus and the criminals, one on his right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. If anybody deserved death, it would probably be the guys nailing you to the cross. It would be the people that spit on you and mocked you and ridiculed you and laughed at you and beat you to a bloody pulp. And yet Jesus on the cross demonstrates the heart of God that death is the enemy of God and life is the will of God and even on the cross he intercedes for those who are crucifying him Father forgive them for they know not what they do in Romans chapter 11 there's a great little verse here verse 36 it says, for everything comes from him, speaking of God, and everything exists by his power, and everything is intended for his glory. So all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Let me just say it like this. We were made by God, and we were made for God. And if you want to know the heart of God toward humanity, you go back to the genesis of time. Have you know Adam and Eve were created to live forever? 
Adam and Eve were created to be known by God. They were created to be loved by God. And so were me and you. We were made by God and we were made for God. We were made to be known by Him. We were made to be loved by Him. And God's heart from the genesis of time was that man would live forever in intimate, personal relationship with their Creator, their Father, God. That is the heart and the will of God. Look at that next point. Choosing life means that we have to face death. The truth is, is that death comes to everyone. The Bible says in Adam we all die. Natural death is a reality. So choosing life means facing death. Death comes to everyone. It always comes as an enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. Death always comes as an enemy, an intruder into our lives, who steals our time, who kills our dreams of a future, who destroys our hopes of a tomorrow to spend with the people that we love. Death always comes as an intruder. But in order to choose life, we have to face death. We have to realize that in Adam, all die. All die. Everybody you know will die unless Jesus comes back and we get called up to meet the Lord in the air. And we got to face the reality of death. I was, I was praying about this this week and I was thinking about the idea that even though I'm prepared to die, I'm ready to die in that sense that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I really don't want to die. <laughs> I mean, if God were to come in this room here today and say, hey, I'm taking a load to heaven. Anybody wants to go raise your hand, I'd put both hands behind my back. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love this church. I love what God's called us to do. I feel like I still got a lot of living to do right here on planet Earth. I'm not in a hurry to go to heaven. I'm glad I'm ready. But I don't want to go today. <laughs> and most people don't. Even lost people don't want to die, right? People want to live. We spend millions and billions of dollars to live, to live, just to live one more day, one more breath, one more heartbeat, one more moment on this planet with the people we love. And this is why I believe that burns so deep in our hearts. I mean, think about all the survival stories. I love to see and read those survival stories of people who should have been dead, but they didn't die. And they willed to live, and they endured overwhelming physical suffering. And somehow they pressed through and came out of the torment and the torture and the pain to live another day. What drives us? I believe what drives us is that God created man with eternity in our hearts. You were created to live forever. And that desire for life is a reflection of the heart of God. God is life. God's will is life. And death is the enemy that steals, kills, and destroys life. When you think about the fact that death comes to everybody, death comes to the young, death comes to the old, death comes to the rich, death comes to the poor, death comes to the black, the white, the Hispanic, and any other color tone you may have in your body. Death comes to the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the evil. Death comes to everyone. We were at the Fall Festival yesterday, and I was talking with a man, and he had two teenage sons with him, and, and I asked him, I said, sir, let me ask you a question. 
I said, uh, have you ever been born again? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I've been saved. I said, that's awesome. I said, when did you get saved? He kind of thought for a minute. He said, it was 1985. He remembered it. I said, you remember the day you got saved? He said, oh, yeah. It changed my life. Then I pointed at his two teenage sons, and I said, are they saved? He said, I don't know. I said, are you all in church? He said, oh, no. To think that this man was saved and knew that he was going to heaven, but he had two sons raised in his house that he did not know if they were saved. See, choosing life means that we've got to face the reality of death. Everybody's going to die. His sons, my sons, your sons, everybody is going to die. And the only way to choose life is to face the reality of death and that Jesus Christ is the only one, come on somebody, that can deliver us from death. See, here's the realization and here's the good news. You and I can't avoid death in the natural, but we can conquer death. Because Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. This scripture became very real to me about 20 years ago. My mom was 52 years old when she passed away and died and was taken from this life 20 years ago. And I had the opportunity of preaching my mother's funeral. And I remember as I was praying and studying to preach her funeral, I read this scripture. And for the first time, this scripture came to a new light. And I've used this scripture almost every funeral that I preach. And it says this, Paul speaking, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. For we know that our earthly house, this tent, our bodies, if they are destroyed, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent or this body are being grown, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord and we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether we are present or whether we are absent, to be well pleasing to Him. I love verse 4. Because verse 4 says this, that mortality will be swallowed up by life. And the Lord told me this 20 years ago when my mom breathed her last breath. This is what he said. He said, Keith, when your mom breathed her last breath here on planet Earth, she wasn't taken by death. She was swallowed up by life. She was swallowed up by life. And he said she's more alive now than she's ever been. The last two years of her life, she was very sick. She suffered extremely physical pain in her body on a daily basis. The last six months she was alive, she was in a home because she needed 24-hour-a-day care. And when she breathed her last breath, God said she wasn't taken by death. She was swallowed up by life. And as I was praying and thinking about this this morning, the Holy Spirit said, Keith, what would happen if, if you could just imagine the people that we love, the people that we've lost, the people that have went on ahead of us, if we could just see them in His presence today. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If we could just see them in His presence, swallowed up by the love and the light and the life of God. He said not only would our hearts not grieve as they grieve, we would still miss Him and nothing would change that. 
He said, but there would be a tempered hope that would come into our hearts that would sustain us and empower us. And he said, think about this. He said, what if your loved one who is in the life of God could see you still grieving over their death? Would it bring them joy? Would it bring them pleasure? And the answer is no. And it doesn't mean we don't grieve. We need to grieve. Grieving is healthy. You need to grieve the loss of those that you love. And if you need help working through that process, because it is a process that we walk through, we have an amazing counseling ministry here at the church that will help you walk through that process of grief and come out on the other side. Why? Because grieving is healthy, but staying stuck is not. Grieving is healthy, but staying stuck in your grief is very unhealthy. And drawing away from God instead of drawing to God keeps you stuck in a cycle of grief that there is no healing for until you come to the one that heals our hearts. And how many know He is a healer today? He is a healer. Look at that last point. We choose life when we choose Jesus. If we are born once, we'll only die. If we're born once, we will die twice. But if we're born twice, we will only die once. Look at John chapter 3. Jesus said, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Being born of water, that's your natural birth. Being born of the Spirit, that's being born again. No man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, the natural, born of the Spirit, supernatural. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. If you're born once in the natural, then you'll die twice. If you're born twice, then you only die once. Let me explain it to you. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Revelations 20, verse 6 says this, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, those who have believed in and accepted Christ, because over such the second death, has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him for a thousand years. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelievable, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars will have their part in the lake, in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you're born once, only naturally, you'll die twice. You'll die a natural death, but you'll die a spiritual death in a place called the lake of fire. It's the second death. If you're born again, if you're born twice, naturally and spiritually, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the sting of death has been removed. And your natural body will die, but your spirit, man, will live forever and ever and ever in the presence of God. And one day, how many of you know one day the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and there'll be no sorrow and no tears and no death. No death. What a beautiful thing. I want us to bow our heads today. And I want to do two things this morning. The first thing is simply this. If you're here today 
And maybe you realized, man, you're still battling with some grief. And I don't know where you're at in that stage. And again, grieving is healthy. But staying stuck in grief is not. A grief that causes you to draw near to God will bring healing. A grief that causes you to pull away from God will bring death. And maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you realize today you need to draw near to God. Maybe because of the pain and the sorrow of your grief, you kind of just backed up a little bit. Hey, let me tell you, I understand. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I understand. Death always comes as an intruder. Death always comes as an enemy that steals, kills, and destroys. And I know what it means to take a momentary step back. I know what it means to kind of re, re, recheck your bearings and refocus your heart. But you can't stay there. And I just want to do something this morning. If you're here today and you just say, Pastor Keith, I just need to draw near to God this morning. I want you just to come to the altar. I want to open the altar up this morning. I want you just to come and bow a knee before the Lord and say, God, I want to draw near to you today. I want to draw near to you today. This is a vulnerable moment. This is a precious moment. But God, I need your healing. God, I need your healing in my heart. This is your moment. Just right now, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. As people are starting to come, just to come and say, Lord, I'm drawing near to you today. I'm drawing near to you today. I need your healing, God. I don't want to stay stuck. I don't want to stay stuck. I, I don't want to draw away. I want to draw near this morning. And God, I come to you. And Lord, I don't understand. But I'm not going to allow what I don't understand to move me away from what I know to be true. And I know life is your will. I know you're the author and creator of life. I know that you died that we might have life. And today I'm drawing near. Today I'm drawing near. I want to just tell you something. There's something powerful about just a heartfelt response to the Lord. God, I'm just drawing near. I don't know what your grief is. I don't know what your loss is. I don't know what the trauma in your life has been that's called you just to take a little step back, but today you can just draw near to Him. And God is desiring to meet with you. The Bible says if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. There's something powerful about just getting real before the Lord. God, I come before you today. I'm drawing near. I'm going to pray over these in just a second that have come. If you want to come right now, the altar's open. You just come and bend a knee and say, God, today I'm drawing near to you. I'm drawing near to you. Maybe it's the loss of a marriage. Maybe it's the loss of a business. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. I'm not sure. But if you found yourself kind of just pulling back instead of drawing near, let's draw near today. draw near so Father I thank you for these that have come this morning I thank you for honest open hearts I thank you for the grace of God Lord I thank you that you've already met them right here and God as we bend our knee and bow our heads God I thank you that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that there is great grace today God I declare great grace over your people this morning 
I declare great grace, the grace of God that brings salvation, the grace of God that heals and redeems and restores, the grace of God that strengthens us just to, to draw forward today. I thank you, Lord, that, that it, all it just took was one simple step and that you met us right where we're at. God, I thank you that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. I thank you that life is your will. And God, we just speak life over your people today. We speak the healing power that comes through the life of Jesus Christ. I thank you for resurrection power. I thank you for resurrection life. I thank you for eternal life. I thank you for abundant life. I thank you for your loving grace. And Lord, I just speak life over these, your people today. As these continue to pray in the altar, the altar is still open, but I want to just shift gears for just a second. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you realize, Pastor Keith, I've been born, born once, but I've never been born twice. I've never been born again. And today I want to be born again. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to follow Christ. I want to commit myself to Him today. And I want to receive that gift of eternal life. If that's you today in this room, I want to be born again. Won't you just raise your hand all over this building? As hands are going up right now, just slip your hand. If you're watching online, you can type in that chat box. You can hit that hand emoji. But we want to pray with you. As you lift your hand, our ushers are going to slip a little packet in your hand. I'm going to pray with you this morning. But today I want to be born again. I've been born once. I want to be born twice. I may not can avoid death, but I want to conquer it today through Jesus Christ. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And I believe that through faith in him, I can be saved. If that's you, just slip your hand up. We're about to pray with these who have lifted their hands. This is your moment. This is your day. God's a God of life. Death is the enemy of God. And Jesus... Jesus wants to save you today. So let's just pray this prayer together. All of us out loud, if you're here today, let's just say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Amen. How many are thankful that we serve a God alive today? Amen. And that God is your hero. Let me just say to you again, if you find yourself stuck, we want to help you. We have an amazing ministry of uh, counselors here at the church. We have a whole program called Grief Care that's just a strategy to help you walk through that. So don't stay stuck and draw near. And for all of you that took that step today, I want to applaud you. I believe God began a good work today. And that what he began, he'll complete. Amen? So we love you. Why don't you greet your neighbor? God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great day in the Lord.